Welcome. You're listening to the podcast Outlander Soul, searching for the soul of Outlander with me, Dr. Jamie Reeves. And me, Reverend Terry Menevigal. Hi, my name is Lynn R., and you're listening to the Outlander Soul podcast, where we look at the Outlander series by Diana Gabaldon through a theological, religious, and spiritual lens and talk about the story's meaning in our lives. As always, be aware, there are spoilers ahead. Welcome back, everybody. Yeah, we're here again. (laughs) Yes, we are. And we are, finally, we've made (laughs) promises about this for a very, very long time. But this episode... Well, we've, we haven't even been doing this for like a year yet, but I know I need to look. When is our when is our one year episode or one year anniversary? Sometime in April, right? April sixteenth is the day of Culloden. April. Oh, that's right, Culloden. Yep. Yes, we started with Culloden. Yep. That's right. In April, we'll be having our big our, our big to do for our one year. But yeah. um, since that very first episode, we've been promising a conversation on time travel. And determinism, and this is it. This is this it. This is the definitive conversation on time travel <laughs> and determinism. You need not go anywhere else. It is. No, we're we will it. answer we're all, all your questions here. Well, <laughs> uh, let me correct that. Terry's going to answer all your questions here. Um, no, no, I'm not. <laughs> um, but I will raise a lot of questions. How about that? Um, yeah. But before we get started, we've got some really great listener feedback, and yeah. Jamie has been the keeper of all things feedback, so... Trying to. Emily sent us some feedback and said, and I thought it was quite apropos for today's conversation as well, she says, what I love best about Diana's writing and characters is that I feel that they are alive within a continuum of time, not necessarily in the here and now, but because she, meaning Diana, I assume, has birthed them or created them and is continuing to give them life. I'm assuming she means as the books go on. And that they seem very real and complex and growing as much as the human beings that Emily says, I love and live beside. So she says it's a really special relationship that she's never had with books before. And I think that that would be the same we we've heard other people say that too. So, so and we've Emily, said that ourselves. That. We've said that ourselves too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That the characters are real and they are complex and they are imperfect and they with clay feet, as Terry has said before. And yeah, and I think that's amazing that Dinah has been able to create these characters in this world in that way. Yeah, they feel like our family. They feel yeah. like we're a part of that community that we belong at Fraser's Ridge with them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. And I love um, her use yeah. of continuing continuum of time because they are well alive that, within a continuum of time. She says, "Yeah." So let me just segue into that because that's a beautiful segue. Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. continuum of time mm-hmm. in the series is always there. There's always that backdrop of time is marching, time is going backwards, time is going forward. We need to know yeah. where we are at all points in time. Yeah, and there's and not enough time for me to forget, or there's not enough time for life to, to you know, make this not important. Or right, this, you know, the right. love transcends time. Uh, yeah, right. The time is the backbone here. Yeah, always the backbone, and always mm-hmm. kind of what moves the story along the plot line of the story. Mm-hmm. It's the relationship with Jamie and Claire, and mm-hmm. that relationship takes place in and out of time, or in a time different than ours. So yeah. that's kind of where we want to have this start this conversation it it always goes back to so if you could travel back in time (laughs) what would you change 
I see this question a lot in Outlander fandom conversation. Yeah. Kind of, if you could travel back in time, what would you do? What would you take with you? I mean, those kinds of things of, you know, conjecture of, of if you're, yeah, if you're able to do that. Right. What would I, what would I change? Would you change like a major event that happens in history that, that, which is what Claire and Jamie have chosen to do that has complete and total implications mm. for an entire generation of people? I would say no, but it's not because I don't want, I wouldn't want those things to change, but it's because the, the, um, the sheer amount of things that I've read that are related to time that have taught me that that is probably not a good idea or that it, it's going to be futile endeavor if that makes sense (laughs) because you know with the whole thing with Culloden was that it was so much bigger than just Jamie and Claire and there were so many more people involved and 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 it had been going on for centuries yeah the the hatred and the animosity between the Scottish leadership and the English leadership had had been going on for centuries and so how do you get rid of that amount of history Mm -hmm. in just a couple of years or in just a year or with a single act or something right. like that. So there's been there's a really interesting article, which I can put in the show notes, about, you know, uh, the ethical conundrum of would you go back and kill baby Hitler in order to, you know, stop Second World War and the Holocaust and all the, you know, all those horrific right. things that happened. Right. And, you know, okay, so there's the whole issue of ethical issue of infanticide to begin with. But also that the, it wasn't just Hitler. Like, you know, we no. we talk about him as, you know, the epitome of evil, as if, you know, he was some monster. But he had he had loads of other monsters working with him. And, you know, the context of, of Europe at that time, inevitability is a, is a word. I, I, don't, I don't know that it would be, have been completely inevitable, but there were things that were marching forward in that way that would have happened regardless of yeah. Hitler being in power or not. The, the Treaty of Versailles yeah. was a, a terribly flawed document. Yeah. And it leads to the tone and the mm-hmm. field in which Hitler was able to grow and become a leader, become the Chancellor of Germany. And yeah. so there were thousands of Hitlers. <laughs> there, are, there are always thousands of Hitlers yeah. out there. The question is whether or not we're going to give them the nourishment and the nurturing to grow grow mm-hmm. and become leaders in our society. Mm-hmm. And so I, you're right. I think that World War II would have ultimately happened. Yeah. I think that there had been a centuries-long history of blaming Jewish mm-hmm. people and the belief that folks with blonde hair and blue eyes, that had been going mm-hmm. on forever. I mean, there had been a whole, gosh, there had been a whole science built around that yeah. uh, in the late 19th century and early 20th century. So mm-hmm. a genetics type of science. So there's no way that just Based going back around and killing, Race, um, this right. yeah, the, the biology of race, which is completely right. uh, completely false. If you want to know more about that, I recommend Correct. listening to Seeing White, um, which is a podcast yep. done by Seen on Radio S C E N E, fantastic podcast. But yeah, it's it. I think when we talk about time travel a lot of the time of what would you go back and what would you change it's based upon this idea that there's one single thing one single event one single individual one single thing that you can go and you can change in some way that's going to completely alter the course of history and 
History doesn't work like that. No. And and I also think it's based on this kind of Frank Capra-esque belief mm-hmm. that one person could change everything for the good. Mm-hmm. If, well, if you look at the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, that's kind of what it's based mm-hmm. on. The entire town of Bedford Falls is hangs oh, in the balance on this one to, person. Yeah, to George. Yeah, if George isn't born, if they go back in time and George isn't born, Mm -hmm. then that entire Bedford Falls has has fallen. Mm -hmm. And so the... Every man is not just every man. Every, every man, every when I say every man, I mean it in the sense of every person. the play every mm-hmm. man and universal. Yeah. Every woman, every man, every person is special and unique in the sense that if one were to be lost, mm-hmm. then the whole world would fall apart. And that's a really romantic notion, but it's it's not really been proven by history. At the same time, though, I will I will counteract that with okay. So it's both in the uh, in the Talmud and the Jewish tradition, and also in the Quran about the yep. if you save one life, it's as if you saved the entire world. We use that a lot within the ethical uh, within ethical conversations of you know acting on behalf of your neighbor, yep. and with this idea that every life has value, and but it's based upon this idea of life has infinite value and so to save one life saves infinity but the issue isn't about whether you're not saving a life in order to alter the course of history (laughs) exactly the life because that's what you're supposed to do because the life has value in and of itself whether that life whether that life contributes to the fabric of history in a Mm -hmm. way that is completely unalterable, mm-hmm. it, it, it makes no difference that life has value. And it's not up to you anyway to decide that. Right. And and so that goes back to Roger's conversation with Bree of it's not up to us to decide who lives and who dies. Um, right. Yeah. So the question I think is, is, a, is sort of valid because we have all these time travel conversations, but the question I think is whether or not you could actually change your present if you were to go back in time, even if you were to change something minor in your own life. Say you mm-hmm. would like to go back and, and change your major in college. You mm-hmm. decide that, like I did, that math major wasn't really the, well, being a math major wasn't really going to get me much of anywhere, but <laughs> it wasn't wasn't the entry to to uh, the life of luxury and no and surprisingly I don't you, right I don't have a Land Rover in my in my driveway but <laughs> I love that <laughs> the Land Rover is your marker for luxury <laughs> <laughs> so anyway like, you know Lamborghini or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> It would just be nice to have a car that doesn't ping. (laughs) (laughs) At any rate, I think even going back and changing something as small as that, the question is whether or not you could. So currently, as we speak, I could be wrong in the next decade, but currently as we speak, no one we know, no one in the known world has traveled backward in time. I love that thing that goes around on Facebook, though. We, I've shared it once or twice on our group or on our page. But it's like, yeah, interested in Triumph Table? Meet us here last Thursday at 8 p.m. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I, there is time travel as far mm-hmm. as theory is concerned and, mm-hmm. and, and in action as well. So Einstein comes up with the theory of relativity. If light speed is constant and light is the constant speed, then something has to change. If something is traveling over time and if that tra- if that speed varies 
then the time is going to vary as well. But if the mm-hmm. speed is constant, time still has to vary. Time still mm-hmm. now is a variable. It, mm-hmm. it is it is not constant. And we have always thought of time as being constant because it plods on. It's a yeah. duration. It's a thing that you can't really touch or feel, but you can measure with a clock mm-hmm. or with the sun and the moon. We measure mm-hmm. time in this way. But, but time it's all in, relative to to the Earth and the Earth's orbit around the sun. And, right. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that time on other planets doesn't happen. That doesn't mean time mm-hmm. in the universe doesn't happen. Simply because the universe doesn't revolve around our sun in 365 and so days doesn't mm-hmm. mean that the time does not exist in mm-hmm. other galaxies. Mm-hmm. It does. It plods on. What Einstein said was that time is relative based upon where you are, A, mm-hmm. and B, how fast you're traveling. So mm-hmm. people like astronaut Scott Kelly, who is a twin, mm-hmm. he was in the space station for 11 months. And mm-hmm. he returned actually now younger than his twin brother mm-hmm. because he was traveling so fast. Yeah. Well, you see it in the film, uh, is it The Martian, where where Matt Damon's character, and it was a book first by, was it Andy Weir, I think, which is a great yeah, book, actually. Yeah. But, the movie's um, great, yeah, too. Yeah, the, the time on Mars was different just because of the, the orbit. Well, and in 2014, scientists have been playing with the mathematical formula of being able to send something back in time. So they've mm-hmm. been able to send, at least on paper, a particle, mm-hmm. a photon, a particle mm-hmm. of light through a wormhole into the past so that this particle interacts with itself. Now, wormholes don't just show up on Earth, as far as we know. <laughs> if they did, we probably wouldn't be, you know, black holes, wormholes, things like that. We we would probably at least know if somebody has gone back in time. Whenever I hear wormhole, though, I always think of tremor. <laughs> tremor. <laughs> Big giant worms going around under the ground. Eating people. And then maybe with Kevin Bacon. That was so long ago. And it was so bad. But it was so funny. Yeah. Sorry. Not to digress. But that's okay. (laughs) That's what I think of when I hear wormholes. But you actually had a really good point in in some of our notes. You found this really Mm -hmm. great quote from... The Quantum Pork website. Yeah. Time is an arrow moving only in a forward direction. As Shelton and Leonard discovered on the Big Bang Theory, time travel doesn't appear to be actionable elsewise. Why haven't we heard from a time traveler yet? So if if time travel did exist, surely somebody would have come out by now and said hello right. or traveled backwards or forwards or something in time yeah. right so yeah. i mean so th- there are two theories on time uh, well there are lots of theories on time but there are two kind of lumped up theories on time is that mm. there is no wad of future out there somewhere mm. that doesn't that exist and there is no wad of the past somewhere that exists these are not there are no containers where this mm. time exists mm. so that you could actually travel to it that time is only this very moment that passes, this ethereal thing that we're experiencing right now. Mm-hmm. But then there are these others who said, no, the past does still exist, and the future also exists. It's just that they all exist at one time. Yeah. Or they exist in their own space, and we're moving into the space of the future, and we're moving out of the space of the past. So mm. what we believe about time travel has a lot to do with whether or not we believe in this thing called determinism. 
Yeah, so describe what you mean by determinism. I think we've said this in a previous episode, but it would be helpful in this conversation to be clear about about our definitions and what we're meaning. Right. Determinism is actually the belief that another entity determines our actions and responses. And it's usually for this entity's own purpose. Right. So when people talk about God's will, God, God determines God has a plan, that kind of stuff, or fate... It doesn't have to be God. It could be fate, right? Right. It can be fate or it can be a natural system. So physicists, Mm -hmm. many physicists believe in determinism, that all of our responses are a byproduct of our genetic construct and our environment. Religious determinists believe that God is absolutely sovereign and absolutely powerful, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent in such a way that, that God knows that there's a past, a present, and a future, and God knows all of that at once. Right. Which is a very Greek idea. Not- very Greek idea. Secular determinism, so if you were a physicist and you believe, did not believe in God but and, and were an atheist or an agnostic, to believe that all of our actions are measurable and can be contained in one space. So the past is fixed and in its own space. The present is also fixed and so mm-hmm. is the future. Mm-hmm. So the, the idea is that the Big Bang happens, mm-hmm. and for a physicist, everything is action and equal and opposite reaction. So everything yeah. is an action, and, and there's always an equal and opposite reaction to that. Mm-hmm. If you were to find the right formula, you would be able to predict every action and every opposite reaction for the mm-hmm. span of time. That it's all kind of mathematical equation. It's this plus this equals this in, in some way. So that it's determined by by that equation yeah correct it's determined by what happened at the big bang so everything is already Mm -hmm. set so they there's a theory of of time that every the time is in a big box it's this big box theory that the Mm -hmm. explosion happened at the beginning and it's already been determined how far the universe is going to expand where Mm -hmm. life is going to show up how water happens all of these things have already been predetermined by that one explosion. And there's really nothing to be done about it. But predetermined also doesn't also mean that we understand it. It's, it is happening whether we understand why it happens or not. But it is right. predetermined. Yeah. Okay. I got you. Yeah. So the idea that you could actually travel to that time in that box... Mm-hmm. You, they're looking for wormholes in that box so that you could actually travel back in time and interact... Mm-hmm. with whatever person or persons you were before, mm-hmm. that you could do that through that wormhole in that box, that there are ways to get to observe the past. So the stones are wormholes then in the Outlander? In the Outlander universe, the stone, the stones are kind of like that wormhole that gets mm-hmm. you to go back in the past. The question is whether or not you're going to be able to change the future. Right. And in a, in a physicist's world and in a determinist's world, <laughs> in a determinist's world, you you are not going to be able to change the future. Actually, you going back in time mm-hmm. is part of the plan, is part of the formula, is part Whoa. of, yeah, yeah. is you going back in time is what was anticipated and what the formula is. Yeah. So Roger makes this really great quote in... A breath of snow and ashes. As he's trying to make sense of everything that has just happened to mm-hmm. him and Bree, they've come back to the 70s because Bree's child, their child needed Maybe. to have uh, yeah. surgery on her heart. 
And so they come back to the future, and he <laughs> he makes this he, he says this wonderful quote. Mm-hmm. Do you not think any time traveler must be a bit of a theologian, though? Yeah. Bree says he was right. No one who had traveled through the stones could help asking, why me? And who would answer that question if not God? Yep. Mm. So the first time we hear the words time and travel put together Mm -hmm. is in 1898 in H.G. Wells' book. Oh, yeah, the time machine. Is that the very first time we talk about time travel? No, no, no. That's not the very first time we talk about time as somebody traveling back in time or traveling forward in time you've got stories like rip van winkle and you've got stories like a connecticut yankee in king arthur's court by mark twain but those are all just kind of like dreams and fantasies or somebody has moved forward in time physically and they've aged as well Interesting. but the first time the first time time and travel and time as a destination to which you intentionally go as that if happens. You're getting in a car and going somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Yes. But in H.G. Wells, it was more like a bicycle because yeah. Yeah. <laughs> bicycles were brand new back then. <laughs> and and so he his time traveler hops in the machine and travels to time as if it were a place. Right. This is the first time that has happened. Huh. Okay. I haven't read that, so I don't I don't know anything about that story. Uh, yeah. What's important to know is that the time traveler, and that's his name, that's his character's mm-hmm. name in the book, the time traveler does not go to the past. Right, okay. The time he traveler only, goes to, only the goes to the future. He only yeah. is interested in going to the future. Therefore, no paradoxes, right? Yeah, that makes things a little bit simpler. Yeah. Yeah, but once it's established in this book, which was a absolute phenomenon at the time, mm-hmm. Once it's established, everybody starts thinking about time as a place you could travel to. And this guy named Hugo Gernsback, he created um, some Pulp Fiction type things called Amazing Stories. He also created another Pulp Fiction magazine. And he actually is the one who coins the phrase science fiction. He creates that. He calls it scientific fiction. And it ultimately becomes science fiction. But he comes up with what we call the grandfather paradox. Okay. And it, suppose I can travel back in time, say 200 years, and I visit the homestead of my great-great-great-grandfather. I am thus enabled to shoot him while he is still a young man and as yet unmarried. From this it will be noted that I could have prevented my own birth because the line of propagation would have ceased right there. Yeah. That sounds familiar. That sounds yeah. like Frank, or you know, Claire telling Jamie, "Don't, don't kill Blackjack because Frank then won't, won't exist." Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it, and then it would create this endless loop of, so I went back in time and I killed my grandfather, yeah. therefore I don't exist. Yeah. You get up to the time where you don't, you don't exist, and then the traveling back in time doesn't happen again. You go back, and then now the grandfather still exists. It just yeah. forever is a loop of yeah. existence and non-existence for this person, and that's the paradox. Well, like in Back to the Future, too, when he's looking at a, at a picture, and you just uh, some, one of the characters just dissolves in the picture because they cease right. to exist because he's changed something in the story. 
and he starts to cease to exist in that as well. He's yeah. looking at his hand while he's playing guitar on stage hoping that his parents will get together but if they don't get together and he doesn't exist then he never ever goes back in time to prevent them from getting back together Mm -hmm. so it it becomes this paradox this conundrum of Mm -hmm. existence and non-existence and it will go on forever and ever Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. writers have tried to deal with this particular paradox in a number of ways the first is the fixed the fixed timeline the one that we were talking about earlier the one where You going back in time is a part of the timeline and was always a part of the timeline and will forever be a part of the timeline. You going back in time was willed. It was set in motion and Mm -hmm. it is expected. So stories like 12 Monkeys from Mm -hmm. 1995, The Time Traveler's Wife, everything that the time traveler does in that is Mm -hmm. is already preordained, Mm -hmm. even his death. And he knows it's coming. It's horrifying. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Where Hermione is doing the, yeah, the, the what did, well, I can't even remember what it was called. But yeah, the, uh, little, the necklace, little necklace the, yeah. that she spins. Yeah. Yeah. So time only moves in one direction. It's mm-hmm. linear. It can't be changed. And the time travel, traveler cannot change the past. The mm-hmm. other way to do it is like you were saying with the, um, Back to the Future. Yeah. There is still only one timeline. Time is linear, it moves in one direction, but you can change the events. When Marty McFly comes back to his future, everything Mm -hmm. has changed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he did not do that before because his dad was a total doof before. (laughs) He remembers his dad as being the total doof. So how does he survive in this new world? It would be a foreign place, right? Mm -hmm. The butterfly effect is this way. He keeps going back in time and changing things and muddling things up. Mm -hmm. And X-Men, Days of Futures Past, they send somebody back Mm -hmm. to change the future. And he is successful. There's another one, too, um, Out of Time. It's a Richard Curtis film with Donald Gleason and Bill Nye and Rachel McAdams. Yeah, no, that's about time, isn't it? Is it about time? I thought it was out of time. I think Yeah, maybe it is about time. It might be a different release in England than it is here. Maybe. Here it's called About Time. Okay. So he go he goes and he changes something about his sister. And, yeah. and because of that, he then realizes that the child that he knew isn't that child. He, yes. He had, a, he had a little girl. He goes back and to you know, see his family you know, resume life once again. And, and he's got a little boy instead of a little girl. And so he yeah. goes back and he, he changes it and back because he didn't <laughs> basically right. he chooses his child over his sister's pain right and it's, it's a it's a beautiful story that's kind of like a non-linear timeline but he does change it and it does mm-hmm. change the timeline for him mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. a non-linear timeline still uses the fixed universe or the mm-hmm. non-fixed universe depending upon the author so you've got this choice he can make he goes back but he can only travel in his own timeline right he can only travel in his own life right yeah yeah he and he can't go in the future either it's only it's only in the past in that right story yeah and he doesn't interact with himself he just is himself with his with the knowledge that he has the same thing happens in the time traveler's wife except that it's a fixed timeline he goes back and forth in his own timeline he sees his mother die hundreds of times but and he can't change it at all 
Mm-hmm. He can interact with himself, actually. Mm-hmm. He is physically in the same room with himself. Mm-hmm. In fact, he has sex with himself. It's it's kind of a weird scene. But he goes, because he's a teenager, he goes back and he wants to, I don't know, experiment. And so he feels mm-hmm. comfortable experimenting with himself. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, a, it's a different way of looking at that particular time. Arrival mm-hmm. is similar in the sense that Arrival, the movie that was put out in 2016. Oh, which was fantastic. Uh, mm-hmm. Amy Adams, she's just amazing mm-hmm. in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's because she interacts with an alien species, her brain then starts working like theirs. It's a gift that they give her. So she can now project into the future and project mm-hmm. into the past. Mm-hmm. And she she says that she has the choice and she still chooses to mm-hmm. remain on course and, and she chooses the pain just to be in a relationship. Yeah. It's beautiful the way that they depict that. But the author of that still leaves it open as to whether or not she could change it. Yeah, yeah. I remember it being not clear as to exactly how. Right. Yeah. Which leads us to the idea of the multiverse. So one way to (laughs) deal with the grandfather paradox is there are timelines all over the place. There are more than one timeline. They're happening Mm -hmm. all the time. And you've got the golden compass is one where there are just multiple, multiple thousands and thousands of timelines. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doctor Who does this. Star mm-hmm. Trek does this a lot. The most uh, recent Star Spider-Verse as well. Yep. Spider-Verse, mm-hmm. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. There's just tons of stories out there that don't want to, they don't want to take away from a destiny that's happening for someone. But if another choice had been made, it kind of splits off into another universe where that mm-hmm. choice is valid. So you've got you know, infinite numbers of universes side by side in parallel where people may exist and people may not exist depending on the universe. So kind of choose your own adventure sort of way of dealing right. with it. I had a right. great, not not to digress, but I had a great conversation this past weekend with a new friend, uh, shout out to him if he's listening, Azariah France Williams, about the Bible as multiverse and how you've got all of these different stories oh. that are running concurrently and, and kind of as kind of not necessarily choose your own adventure, but that there's different conversations that are happening in conjunction yes. and, and at yeah. the same time. Yeah, I'm trying to encourage him to put that together in a book or please that would be wouldn't that be amazing that would be so amazing um and yeah so i it it all it all kind of boils down to doctor who which Mm -hmm. by the way if you guys don't know how diana comes up with this idea of scotland (laughs) and it it was it was after she'd watched a doctor who episode about culloden and about going back in time and doctor who's companion is a Scottish Highlander during the time of Claude. Yep. <laughs> so wearing a fetching kilt, she says. Yes. yes. So so the idea that the 2010 series of Doctor mm-hmm. Who, uh, David Tennant in mm-hmm. one of the episodes says people assume that time is strictly progression of cause to effect, but actually from a nonlinear, non-subjective viewpoint, it's more like a big ball of wibbly wobbly, timey wimey stuff, and. <laughs> And nothing could be more true, I think, as far as narrative is concerned, as far Mm -hmm. as fiction, as Mm -hmm. far as understanding time, we still don't quite get it. But as is usual, Mm -hmm. the people who are imagining things and writing things are on the cutting edge 
of of what we could possibly do with time. Yeah. I, honestly, time travel, the idea of it, and Einstein mm. and all of it doesn't come until after mm. the time machine. Mm-hmm. And so I think this is a, a great testament to the stories that we tell ourselves. We become yeah. those stories and we try to live into those. Totally, totally. Yeah. I remember as a child, one of the things, or as a young young yeah, child, I guess, I mean, early early teens, even to the books that I would read, if somebody kind of asked me what I would want, it would be like Anne of Green Gables. I would love to have for her to have come and visited me in my time. And how would that have been different yes. for her? And yeah. I remember kind of having, having those thoughts about, you know, what is, what's the difference between my time and her time? Yeah. Um, no, I, I wanted to go backwards in time and interact mm-hmm. with all kinds of people. I mean, I wanted mm-hmm. to go back to World War II era and uh, meet my grandfather. And mm-hmm. there's just there were just so many things I wanted. And these are things that people, I don't know, really put into thought because they didn't have the vocabulary or the story behind it yeah. prior to yeah. prior to the late 19th century. Yeah. So what about Outlander? Because I don't want to get caught. I could go down this rabbit hole so many different ways. But but we're, we're here to talk about Outlander and Diana. And since she's the god of this universe, what... She is indeed. <laughs> what... What theory is she putting forward? Is it a fixed timeline? Is it a a dynamic timeline? Is it multiverse? Mm -hmm. So the first six books, it seems Mm -hmm. as if time cannot be changed. Yeah. And there's a forever loop going on. Yeah. So Claire is always going through the stones. Claire is always coming back through the stones to be with Jamie again. That is always happening. Right. We don't know why necessarily. Mm -hmm. But we do know that Claire has always come through the stones because in the very first book, in the very Mm -hmm. first section, the Mm -hmm. ghost of Jamie is standing outside of her window, Mm -hmm. looking up at her and Frank runs into him. Yeah. And Diana has come out and said that is Jamie's ghost. So we know it. We don't know how we don't know why exactly. But we do we do know it's Jamie. Yeah. So Jamie at the very beginning of the story means that Claire is destined to fall through the stones mm-hmm. into because his Because she's already done it. She's already done it. And he mm-hmm. is dead. Mm-hmm. It's 200 years later. He is mm-hmm. dead. And He's so a ghost, his ghost. Not a real person. Or, you know, not a person. Yeah. Right. His ghost is waiting for her, is looking to her to come. And then there's the whole... Culloden thing, people usually point to that as this is a fixed timeline. But again, like you were saying at the beginning, and we were both Mm -hmm. talking about, there's so many things that went into Culloden that I don't really think that even the death of Prince Charles would have stopped Mm -hmm. it, would Mm -hmm. have stopped the inevitability of the destruction of the Highland culture. It would have been called something else. It would have been the battle of something. It might have happened. Do you think, though, it might have happened later? Possibly. It may not have happened at that particular time, but it was still going to happen at some point. Or if if the prince had been assassinated, particularly mm-hmm. just before Culloden, that mm-hmm. somebody else may have stepped forward. Hell, Dougal may have stepped forward yeah. and said, I'm going to take this over and we're going to fight, blah, blah, blah. Or it could have been that James Stewart would have said, nope, my son just got killed. We're done. And then mm-hmm. his other son might have stepped forward and mm-hmm. said, I'm the rightful heir to the throne now. I mm-hmm. will lead them and maybe 20 years later would have led them all to their deaths. Still, the yep. English army was the most formidable army. The British mm-hmm. army was the most formidable army at that time in the world. Yeah. yeah. 
So the second thing, though, that kind of throws a wrench into this idea of a fixed timeline is that echo in the bone happens. Mm -hmm. The whole reason that, and for those of you watching the series and have not read the series, the whole reason that Brie goes back in time. Yeah. Right. Goes back in time is to save Claire and Jamie from a fire that she reads about in the Wilmington Gazette. Mm -hmm. She reads about this fire. It's supposed to take place in... January of 1776, I believe. Yeah. In the book, it's clear. You can't, she knows the date. They know mm-hmm. the date to avoid. Whereas in the, in the TV show, it's not. And I'm it's curious smudged. as to why they've yeah. done that. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's like January 19th or 17th or 20th or something like that. Mm-hmm. 1776. She goes back in time because she believes she can change this one thing. Even mm-hmm. though her mother has said, you can't change time. Mm-hmm. So she goes back in time to save her mother and her father and say, look, I know the day you're supposed mm-hmm. to die. Your house goes up in flames and everybody dies. They go back in time. Bree and Roger have to go back to the future <laughs> to save their daughter who needs surgery. So they're not there on the identified day. Nope. Claire and Jamie and the rest of them wait the whole day out and no Mm -hmm. fire happens. Mm -hmm. They are extremely careful. They are super duper careful. But in December of the same year, a fire bursts. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. So 11 months later. Yeah. So uh, yeah, 11 months later, the fire happens in the home. Mm -hmm. Everybody escapes. Mm -hmm. Nobody dies. Mm -hmm. And it's still reported in the paper that everybody dies because Tom Christie sees Claire and hugs her because he thought she had died. Mm. He kisses her too, but that's mm-hmm. besides the point. So we think maybe there's a misprint of the year. Right. If the if the fire happens in December, maybe it's January 1777 is really when it happened, but maybe they accidentally, the type was 1776. No, no. They look at the, a newspaper Mm-hmm. The same newspaper that they got a copy of before, mm-hmm. and the date changes to February hmm. or December or whatever. The date physically changes on the paper, and they remember the date was January or was February 1776, and now it is not. It is mm-hmm. now a different date on the Wilmington Gazette. So it's the Marty McFly dissolving in the picture, right? There's the evidence that a date Mm -hmm. can change, a small change can be made. Mm -hmm. This is what Roger says in Echo in the Bone. What changed, Brie asks, and he says, predestination in a manner of speaking. Roger had been scheduled to be ordained as a Presbyterian minister, so he was supposed to acknowledge and believe and profess his faith to the Mm -hmm. religious understanding of God in in the doctrine of predestination, which I'll get into in just a second. Mm -hmm. But it changes for him because the Gazette changes, and he doesn't necessarily now believe that the future is is run by a sovereign God. Right, yeah. We talked a little bit about determinism, and a lot of times that's that's used interchangeably with the term predestination. Mm -hmm. Predestination is actually... A subset of determinism. So predestination is a specific theological doctrine stemming from the assumption of religious determinism. So it comes from religious determinism. It assumes that God has ordained from the beginning of time Mm. where human souls will reside for eternity. 
when you die, your soul is destined because God has destined it. God has Mm -hmm. predetermined your Mm -hmm. soul will go to heaven. Or if you believe in double predestination, your soul is going to hell. Right. Okay. So if God knows everything, is all-knowing, which again is a Greek idea, and is all-powerful, then God has made a plan. And there, and I mean, there, people use scripture to, to say this, but yeah. that there are a certain number of people who, who have been chosen by God to, to be saved, right? Yes. Um, yeah. And then, and those, the elect or, you know, whatever word you want to use for them, they have no control. They, God right. has, has, has chosen them. It is predetermined. They're, they're predestined to be there. And their responsibility is to respond to mm-hmm. God's love. Mm-hmm. Respond to God's grace. <laughs> but they grace. have no choice because God is all powerful. And that's the edge there. Mm-hmm. That's the edge of that. That mm-hmm. I don't know really that any believer in predestination is ever able to answer. Yeah. Free will also has its own issues. Yeah. 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 So free will ha- also has its own issues. Free will mm-hmm. takes away from the sovereign nature of God. It believes mm-hmm. that human abil- humans have this ability to choose how to act or respond without mm-hmm. any impediment, without any mm-hmm. influence, without any causality. God cannot cause us to do anything. Mm-hmm. We choose we our own way. We have to choose it on our own. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you'll find a lot of Baptists in that camp. But almost all of the Baptists I know aren't entirely in the camp of free will because they still want to hold on to this idea of the omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent God. Yeah. 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 So they're more what it's called compatibilists. They believe in compatibilism. They believe that this idea of a sovereign, all-knowing, all-present, all-powerful God is compatible Mm -hmm. with the idea of free will. Because God chooses to limit God's self in a particular way or leaves it up to you. I could, God's saying, I could do this if I really wanted to, but I'm not going to. I'm going to let you choose instead. And I find that ethically horrific Mm -hmm. to prescribe to God what we would not do ourselves. Yeah. Well, the, the entire sort of theodicy questions of why does God allow bad things to happen is based in in that idea that, that God does have control, but God chose not to act. Yeah, it, it, it makes things really difficult. We condemn people. We condemn people for doing this. Yeah, we we do. actually send people to jail mm-hmm. as accomplices because mm-hmm. they sat and watched something horrific take place and did nothing. Yeah, yeah. So why would we ascribe so this type of behavior? So why do we abdicate responsibility to God in that way? Yeah. I, I, I don't I've never understood that, mm-hmm. that if God is this all-powerful being. And, you know, so there is an, there is an argument to be made mm-hmm. for the parent, God the parent, who allows God's children to make mm-hmm. mistakes mm-hmm. so that they learn something. That's... Which is a pedagogical, like, you. it's for your benefit. It's for you to learn these things. Right. You have to learn these lessons. Sorry. Which, which I get to a certain degree if you're the cause of them. But mm-hmm. a three-year-old with leukemia, if yeah. God can prevent that, yeah. not anybody's fault at all. Mm-hmm. It's a natural occurrence for a human being mm-hmm. because... Humanity is flawed and there are there's shit in this world. Mm-hmm. It makes absolutely no sense to me to say mm-hmm. God God is watching this happen and could intervene, but no, you've got to learn something. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. 
I find that to be incredible bullshit right there. Um, (laughs) Large amounts. is a technical (laughs) term. Incredible bullshit. Incredible bullshit. bullshit. (laughs) That is theological (laughs) bullshit. And and so I just have to make this little plug as far as liberation theology is concerned. Mm -hmm. If you are on the side of God and you come out as the side of God and you are all-powerful, omniscient, omnipresent, all of that Mm -hmm. stuff, and you are on the side of that God, then Mm -hmm. the things that you are doing are now willed by God. Mm -hmm. And the things that you are doing to people to keep yourself into power Mm -hmm. means that your power is God-willed. And Mm -hmm. that is the basis of every horrific reign of any kind of leader in this world. That yeah. is that is history right there. When you've got something like that going on, mm-hmm. then that is absolutely not a solid theology. And I would question it at any point. So are you critiquing liberation theology? In- no, I'm not. Oh, okay. I'm, saying, I'm saying this is my plug for liberation theology. Oh, right. Okay, okay. Because I was is- about to say, um, hang on a second. Yeah, so liberation theology would have a much different idea about god actually the whole idea and we've said this a few times now you know this idea of all the omnis omniscient omnipresent omnipotent immutable all those things where god doesn't change those are all greek ideas and and they're not they're not biblical (laughs) right so if we are thinking in a judeo-christian sort of way that that greek idea isn't isn't the god in scriptures actually Um, right well, and there there are pieces of that in scriptures, but there are pieces of the other God in scripture. Yeah, so yeah. we we've got this idea of where God is in time, mm-hmm. how time exists in scripture, and we've a lot of the the Greek influence is seen in the New Testament of where God exists in time and how because God controls the Greek, time. Greek philosophy has permeated that world and that worldview. You can't right. You can't, ex- yeah. I mean, it's not. It's not as if it operates in a vacuum. Our no, it philosophies and our thoughts are tainted by, influenced by whatever is in the water at the time, and and that was, that was how people were understanding God at the time. So yeah. Well, so and the idea that God exists somewhere outside of time, kind of hovers over time, mm-hmm. that you know watches time from mm-hmm. wherever God is. This this. Sits in his, place. in his lazy yeah. boy and watches us do right. our thing like we were on telly, kind of, yeah. And people point to places in the scripture for things like that. There's one in particular, before the mountains were born or you brought forth the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting you were God. That's Psalms mm-hmm. 90. So the question is whether God exists outside of time and therefore can control time or does God mm-hmm. exist in time with us? And there's lots and lots of things in the Christian and the Hebrew Bible talking mm-hmm. about God acting in time, mm-hmm. remembering something in the past, remembering a person, changing God's mind, not immutable, changing yeah. the mind God of God. God changes, and especially in the Hebrew Bible, God changes. God yeah. regretting. Moses changes God's mind at one mm-hmm. point. Abraham. Abraham, Abraham yeah. changes God's mind. God wanted to get rid of all of the people in the desert. <laughs> he wanted mm-hmm. to get rid of them all and then start over mm-hmm. again with Moses. And mm-hmm. Moses says, no, no, you brought, you drug us out here. You need to see this through. <laughs> and so God says, ah, okay, you're right. And so <laughs> God changes God's mind. The question it would be, at least as far as Outlander is concerned, mm-hmm. if God changes and is in time with us and experiences time in the same way that we experience time mm-hmm. with us, if Claire travels back in time from 1945 mm-hmm. to 1743, does this God know who Claire is? 
because she doesn't exist yet. Hmm. Well, one of the things, when you were talking, quoting the Psalm 90, I was thinking also about that text from Jeremiah that people use a uh, lot about knowing yeah. knowing you from before you were in the womb. And it's used a lot in kind of anti-abortion debates and, and that yes. kind of thing. But but the concept of time in, in that text as well, that God knows us that we're we're celestial beings or you know something we exist before that sperm and egg gets fertilized and in that way if you did look at it from that perspective then yeah god would know claire before she travels back in time but if you don't yeah i don't know that's a great question yeah i'm not sure i would expect yes but i don't know so when marty mcfly travels back to 1955 Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm He meets up with the professor. He knew the professor in 1985. Mm -hmm. The professor does not know him in 1955 Mm -hmm. because he doesn't exist yet. But Mm -hmm. is it more like God is like the professor in the sense that he has the capacity or God has the capacity to believe that this is possible? Mm, Yeah. Because if if God is Lord of time. And and despite all my belief that the Omnis are not, are not right. At the same time, I do think that God certainly knows a hell of a lot more than I do and that God is bigger and can see the bigger picture more than I do or more than I can. So in that way, God's bigness, I realize, is more than me. Yeah. And so in that way, it doesn't, it's not an obstacle for me to say that God does know Claire when she travels back in time because... I don't expect to know everything or be able to understand everything, but I'm right. I'm okay. And that's kind of that's in Job of where you know God says, <laughs> kind of how dare you answer <laughs> these questions? Yeah, there is this mysterious nature in which that God, God operates. seems to know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. C.S. Lewis kind of puts it. He's he's more of the compatibilist. His take is more like time is all there. It's all happening all at once. Kind of like Einstein's thing. Time mm-hmm. happens. All mm-hmm. at once, the past, present, and the future is is mm. all happening at the same time. It's only the fact that we perceive it differently. Mm. And that God is in all those times? All those times. So yeah. this quote okay. is from Mere Christianity, and it says, mm-hmm. God, I believe, does not live in a time series at all. His life is not dribbled out moment by moment like ours. With him, it is, so to speak, still 1920 and already 1960. Mm-hmm. For his life is himself. If you picture time as a straight line along which we have to travel, then you must picture God as the whole page on which the line is drawn. Hmm. We come to the parts of the line one by one. We have to leave A behind before we get to B and cannot reach C until we leave B behind. Hmm. God from above or outside or all around contains the whole line and sees it all. Yeah. I think that probably would be kind of more how I would see it. Well, because within theology, too, we talk a lot about the kingdom of God as being this kind of already, not yet. That it, it's here, but it's coming in the future as well. That it we see glimpses right. of it, but it hasn't completely fulfilled. And that God is still 1920 and already 1960. That makes sense to me in the context of, of that kingdom of God conversation. C.S. Lewis talks a lot about Kairos versus Kronos. Mm-hmm. These are two Greek words. Mm-hmm. One one Greek of the words, yeah, Kairos is kind of a time outside of time. Mm-hmm. It's a special time. Kind of a God-appointed time, is it, it not? Is. Like it's, it's, yeah, it is this. So when the time came for Mary mm-hmm. to give birth, when, when something that God has ordained takes place, mm-hmm. 
then then this it is now the time of fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Your time of fulfillment is here. It's Kairos. It's the mm-hmm. it, it's a it's a special time. Kronos is the everyday plotting of time. It's it's how the world times. Yeah, or, yeah or it's how time. the world spins. C.S. Lewis kind of heightens the Kairos. So that it it becomes God's time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as much as this stuff can make sense, because I think it is, in some ways, quite esoteric, and then in other ways, it's like we deal with this every day, and we don't really think about it, or we don't really pick it apart. So no, yeah. we don't, because time is again very difficult to define. Yeah, everybody knows what it is, mm-hmm. but nobody knows how to explain it. No, we we know that. If we take a glass and we shatter the glass, mm-hmm. we can never bring the glass back in the way it really was because that was at a different point in time. Mm-hmm. That, that glass is now gone. There's no retrieving it. Mm-hmm. You can put it back together, but it's still a different glass. Yeah. It's the same as our knowledge. Once we know something, we can't unknow it. Yeah. It, it doesn't work that way. Time mm-hmm. is always expanding, always expounding, always changing us. Mm-hmm. And you cannot unchange. So time and change are inevitable. It is part of who we are. And so uh, we, we don't think about it. We, you know, we, we sometimes reflect when we're looking at pictures of ourselves. And I can't help but, but think about the, the thing going around Facebook about, you know, the 10-year challenge. <laughs> that yeah. This is what I look like in my first uh, in, in my first profile picture and this is me now and it's about 10 years and time has changed us Mm. 10 years ago my son hadn't even been to high school yet so much changed you know so much has changed in the last 10 years and my knowledge that I've achieved in the last 10 years has changed me Mm. and I can't unchange that I can't go back which reminds me of the conversation we had about Jamie and Claire as Adam and Eve and that episode yeah. when we were we were talking about the the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Yeah. Not unlearning that as well. That like you said, once you once you know something, you can't unknow it and the process of of time is intrinsically connected to that. Yeah. And it's it's somewhat corruptive. While we grow in time and good things can happen in time as well, what she does by changing Jamie by telling him who she is and what she knows mm-hmm. does corrupt him to a certain degree. And she says that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that is a lot of stuff to think about. Uh, <laughs> I, I think we've kind of laid out the argument here for time travel and time travel narrative and mm-hmm. the conundrums that show up with this. And I'd like to get a little more of where I think Outlander is in all of this and where yeah. Diane is coming from. Because yeah. I, I don't, I think she's... Do you think she's a little inconsistent? I don't. I think okay. there is a consistency here. Okay. But I, 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 I have my own theory of this and I... I think that there's a consistency here that is not necessarily in any other narrative that I know of. I don't know all the narratives out there for time travel, but I think that she has found a middle way that is quite intriguing. And there are Mm. a lot of, of great doctrine that people have come up with in the last 25, 30 years having to do with God's foreknowledge that kind of fit into 
where I think Diana is going with this. We could call it all mystery and paint over it and everything, but I, I think that there, I think there really might be kind of a pattern here that she's come up with, and mm. and, and I'll I'll get into that in the next episode cool. because it's a lot. <laughs> it's yeah. a lot to think about. Yeah, I, I I'm just conscious that maybe we should have started with this too, but I know at least within the fandom, when people start asking questions about the time travel thing, there's usually a response, something like. Mm, this makes my head hurt or, or something like that. Yeah. And I always find that a bit frustrating because <laughs> I mean, maybe because people tend to not be very clear about the question that they're asking or defining what they mean by whatever term they're using or whatever theory of time travel that we're talking about. But I guess what it, I kind of just want to say your head should hurt, I guess. And it's okay if it does. It, it yeah. requires some thought and it requires thinking about this universe that Diana has created and the ways in which it works. And I mean, we spend this time thinking about the world that we live in and operate in and the people that we love and this world in which we move and have our being, right? Of how it works. Right. And why wouldn't we not do the same without Ender? I absolutely and totally ag- agree with that. And mm-hmm. I, I think our heads start to hurt when it conflicts with the things that we really think we already knew. Yeah. Like, yeah. so we, we already just kind of always believed that God was omniscient, omnipresent, omnipowerful, uh, immutable, mm-hmm. unchangeable, God to God, everlasting to everlasting, alpha, omega, all those things. We've we've said, we, but if we can look at it in a, maybe in a different way, it, it challenges our understanding of the world then. Then we may yeah. have to look at the world in a different way, and that requires a new set of muscles. It requires yeah. a new set of, of skills, mm-hmm. and it's a threat, mm-hmm. which is why Copernicus was such a threat to the Catholic Church. Yeah. If, if, if we are not the center of the universe mm-hmm. and the universe doesn't revolve around the earth mm-hmm. and we're not special to God and this isn't all there is, mm-hmm. then how does that affect church doctrine? How does that affect how we relate with God. And if you are the only people who speak for God now, how does that relate to your power? I find the idea that if we do ever get to the point where we can travel in time, Mm -hmm. and there are a lot of people much smarter than I am Mm -hmm. who are working on this right now, Mm -hmm. then we're going to have to come up with a theology around this. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that our artists, our writers, our imaginers, our storytellers have given us a perfect opportunity to start Absolutely. doing that right now. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. All right. I think, it, I I am think too. the second part of this conversation will be really interesting too. So yeah, let's, All right. let's park it for now and we'll do it next time. All right. See you then. Cool. See you. That's it for this episode of Outlander Soul. Thanks for listening. We would really appreciate it if you'd review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts as it helps people to find us. If you listen and like what you hear, please consider supporting us financially. Just click the support us at outlandersoul.com. There are lots of ways to donate. 
every little bit helps. Also, we'd love to hear your questions, thoughts, and ideas because part of the work that we're doing is gathering data on how fans interact with and value Outlander in their lives. So we're really interested in what you have to say. And we know Outlander fans have a lot to say. So please send us your thoughts through our website, email, voice memos, or the social media, and follow the links on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram. You can also contact us by email at outlandersoulpodcast at gmail.com or via our website, www.outlandersoul.com. Thanks again, everybody. We'll see you again in two weeks. See you later. See ya.